Hi, this is Dr. Rebecca May coming to you from Arcana Labs. And this is Road to Reno. Good morning. So uh, we're here this morning with Dr. Cooperman. Thanks so much for coming. No, definitely. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up? So I'm actually from here. So I'm one of the few people that are from Little Rock. So I grew up in a neighborhood not far from here in the Heights. So you were here through high school, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, where did you go to college? So I actually went to an early uh, acceptance to med school program at a small college in Kansas City called Rockhurst. And Rockhurst had an early acceptance program with St. Louis University Med School. And the deal was that uh, we took four years of college. After the first two years, they picked the classes for us. But after the first two years, if we made a 3.5 or above, we got an interview at St. Louis University Med School, and they accepted or rejected us after two years. So I knew after my second year of college that I was going to medical school. Oh, wow. So did you have to take the MCAT and everything? Though? We did take the MCAT. It was brushed under the table. It really did not matter what your score wow. was. Wow. That is enviable. So, <laughs> so I'm not the best at standardized tests. So I thought that was the best deal for me. Oh, wow. So you did the four years and then went on to St. Louis University? I did. I did. Wow. And how many of their, how many of you were there? So we started with 80 of us. Oh, it's, wow. It's a small college in Kansas City. Uh, we started with 80 of us. Four of us made it. And one decided to apply somewhere else. And they did not get in anywhere else after that. So only three of us made it to med school. Oh, my gosh. So it was a weed out program. Wow. So it was because of the 3.5? Uh. In in some ways, yeah. and then other ways, it was doing lab work and mm -hmm. everything else. And I mean, that's how many people started in the program, but wow. only three of us finished. So, um, so you ended up going to medical school in St. Louis. I did. And did you know during medical school, uh, like when did you decide that you wanted to apply in pathology? So pathology is one of those strange things that either you know somebody who's a pathologist or you kind of just happen in on it. Mm -hmm. Because if you ever meet somebody who goes to med school saying, I want to be a pathologist, you probably don't want to be by them. <laughs> so uh, I actually was very lucky to have one of my mentors was a pathologist. And she said that, hey, this is a, a very nice field to be in. You can have a very nice lifestyle. And plus, I was more of a fan of the first two years of med school. I actually like the basic science component more. And it kind of fit my personality a little better. And this was a mentor that you had in medical school? Or it was. Before? It was. Uh, we had a, a mentor program where one of the doctors or professors was a mentor to us. And randomly, I was assigned to Dr. Levy. So did you do a pathology rotation then in I medical I did school? my senior year of mm -hmm. medical school, my fourth year of medical school. I, uh, I was actually thinking about going into radiology, but oh. uh, I found out pretty quickly that the difference with pathology is that you could become an expert in a field and become like the world expert in like some minute area of pathology. And in radiology, that's a lot more di difficult to do. So uh, I, I actually liked seeing in color instead of black and white. So I decided to go into pathology. 
So did you apply for APCP programs? Or I did. I, I, I went APCP. And where did you end up going to residence? So I went, I continued at St. Louis University uh, oh. for my first two years of medical school. Our program actually fell apart and I actually transferred to Tufts in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh my gosh, that must have been quite the disruptive experience. Uh, it's not easy to transfer. I mean, it's a very difficult thing. I was just very lucky that I had so much support mm-hmm. uh, to, to help me, and I was able to transfer. So you went to Tufts for your final two years. I did. I did. And um, at what point did you decide to do kidney pathology? So I actually, unlike most people, decide very early on. I had the privilege at St. Louis University uh, residency program to work with Dr. Guillermo Herrera, who's one of the leaders in uh, kidney pathology. So I would work with him after 5 p.m. and I would look at cases with him. And very quickly, I found out that that's kind of where I wanted to end up. And when you were making the decision about fellowships, can you tell me a little bit about how you decided where to go? Sure. So I kind of was at a disadvantage in many ways because I transferred my third year. Mm -hmm. And most of us in pathology, we start applying for our fellowships our third year. The place where I was, they really didn't know me too well the beginning of my third year when most people apply. So I kind of had to wait till my fourth year to Mm. apply for a fellowship. By then, uh, I I knew I wanted to do kidney pathology. I, I also wanted to do surgical pathology. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was lucky enough to get an interview at Johns Hopkins and went there for both kidney and surgical pathology. And what order did you do them in? So I did kidney pathology first, and then I did uh, surgical pathology after. And how was your uh, kidney training at Johns Hopkins? It was fantastic. I got to work with one of uh, the leaders in the transplant field, uh, Dr. Rackison. Uh, she taught me most everything I know. She also really stressed about scoping my own cases by EM. So that was a great experience. Dr. Aaron was fantastic too, and so was Dr. Bagnasco. I mean, I, I had a fantastic experience, a great training over at Johns Hopkins. And what's really cool is that my oldest brother, David, actually did his residency at Johns Hopkins in oh. medicine. So the nephrologist actually knew me as David's little brother, <laughs> which was really good because they all took me under their wing because my oldest brother is a genius, and they all expected me to be up to his level, which <laughs> I'm not, but uh, it really opened up so many doors for me to work with the nephrologist. I I was actually working with them quite quite often, and we collaborated quite a bit on projects and everything just because I was David's little brother. Wow. So you started your job search then, I'm assuming in your last year at Hopkins. I I did. Johns Hopkins has quite a few professors that come and kind of do training. And one of the people who came up was from UT Southwestern. And she said that there was an opening to do kidney and at UT Southwestern. And I was interested in that because I wanted to do both kidney and surgical pathology since I was trained in both. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out right before I went down there why there was an opening. And that's because Dr. Joe had just left UT Southwestern and went to Baylor. And I did not want to go straight out being a sole attending. So I talked to Dr. Joe and I ended up interviewing also at Baylor and, really? and took a job there. 
Oh, wow. So you would have been the only one at Southwestern. I, w- I would have been the only one. Oh, yeah, that's difficult to start a job where you're the only kidney pathologist. Yeah, and I knew I was fresh out, and I just wanted to be able to show cases to still be in a position where I could learn and kind of fine-tune my craft. So you started your first job at Baylor then. So I did. How many kidney pathologists were there then? Would it be the two uh, of you? There were three of us. And did you do exclusively kidney? I did 50% surge pass. So I did 50% kidney. And then I would go into the community hospitals and do surge pass. So I would do frozen sections and sign out everything else. It ended up after a while that I ended up doing 75%, 80% kidney and 20% surge path. But I was pretty popular because if you could find me in surge path, then you could take vacation <laughs> if I could cover you. So Very nice. So it, it wasn't a bad deal. So how long were you at Baylor? I was at Baylor for four years. And uh, at that time, for family reasons, and also uh, I kind of wanted to, to come home. So mm-hmm. I I called Dr. Walker, and he was nice enough to give me an interview. And um, what year was that? That was in 2016. Okay, so you came down for an interview, and was that your first time here at Arcana? That was my very first time at Arcana. I mean, people had always asked me, well, why didn't you just go to Arcana first, and you took this little side venture in Texas, and it's because of the advice I was given. You don't want to subspecialize too quickly, and I mean, I I figured that it was good to have basic surge path and kidney, and I had the best of both worlds in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So then I decided at that point it was best in my career and and everything else and for family reasons to come back to Arkansas. And what were your first impressions of Arcana? It's an incredible place. I, I was used to in Texas doing at the most 12 biopsies a day. Here I come the very first day and there's 80 trays laid out for 80 different biopsies. <laughs> so that was a eye opener. I mean, it reminded me of of Hopkins when I did my surge path training, where we would just have trays and trays of slides. So I knew that was kind of the environment I wanted to be in. So, um, so you took the you accepted a job here. Then I did, I did, and and moved back home. I did, which is lovely. What were your impressions when you first started actually working here? I'm lucky in some ways because I've worked at different areas and different mm-hmm. places. I've transferred so many times in training and I've worked in Dallas and here that I really saw what the difference Arcana made. And with Pat Walker being in charge, it was a world of difference because everything was making sure that the physicians, the lab staff, and the patients got the best treatment available. In most academic places that you go to, kidney is kind of an afterthought. It's really hard for them to even look at kidney because it's not a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. But here, the second that we thought, hey, I saw this in a study, this new stain, we, we'd already have it up. I mean, everything was about patient treatment. And um, can you talk a little bit about what you do for clinical trials here? So each, So what's really cool about Arcana is that they find what your strength is, and they really encourage you to uh, pursue that interest. So some people have interest in doing clinical research. Some people have interest in other things. And I have interest in two things that most people don't enjoy, clinical trials and efficiency. So clinical trials has fascinated me because... 
In kidney, we've been treating the same diseases the same way for about 30, 40 years. And a lot of it is because no new drugs, no incentive was there to make new drugs for the diseases that we commonly see in kidney. Uh, just a few years ago, the NIH actually changed what the endpoints were. Instead of looking what causes chronic kidney disease as our endpoint, it was if you can reduce proneuria, if you can make the creatinine go down as a new incentive, as a new way to look at improvement in kidney disease. And ever since then, uh, drug companies and pharmaceutical companies have looked at kidney in a whole different way. Just a few years ago, we had only six or seven clinical trials or six or seven drugs coming out, clinical trials. Now we're up to about 120, 150. Wow. And things are actually really starting to come out now. We are in phase three of so many drugs. They're at the forefront. They're about to come out in different diseases, IgA, lupus, uh, transplant. And I think it's really important from a pathologist's point of view that we actually know what the new treatments out there are so that we can be educators and we can also help guide the physicians to different clinical trials that are there. And the really cool thing about when a new drug comes out and new things come out, it's that it changes the whole way that we look at disease. I mean, the, a good example is complement. We've all kind of ignored the complement pathway for years. Now it's at the very forefront. And it's very similar to uh, the clotting cascade. I mean, all of us learned about the clotting cascade in medical school. We've mm -hmm. all known that there's like the intrinsic, extrinsic that comes in. Didn't mean anything until a little drug called Novo7 came out and changed the entire way that we see the entire clotting cascade. And the same thing's happening in kidney right now. And it's a really exciting time. And in the next 10 years, the way that we treat diseases, the way that we approach disease process is going to be completely different. It's not going to be, oh, you just give them steroids, you give them a few chemotherapeutic agents. It's actually going to be targeted therapy. And we're long overdue. And we are just at that place now that as long as we can keep filling these clinical trials, keep the money coming to nephrology, that we can make a very big positive impact to all the patients. So that's why I'm very interested in it. So how do you um, help fill the clinical trials? That's a place that our candidate has a central role because many of the diseases that we see are not common diseases in clinical practice. Many physicians, they might only see two or three fibrillaries in five, six years. Mm -hmm. uh, they might see only a few cases of MPGN in their career, mm -hmm. but we see it every day. And we have cases from all over the country. And by working with the pharmaceutical companies, we can help get these patients into clinical trials from the get-go before treatment or even with treatment so that we are an important area that actually brings all the data together so that we can actually help re recruit the patients and give them the opportunity to get new therapeutic agents. So uh, so you've been reaching out to physicians, right, to let them yes. know about different trials Definitely. and... And we have a whole group that works on that here as well, right? We do. And it's really blossomed over the last few years. I mean, now pharmaceutical companies come to us and they're like, hey, we know that you guys see a lot of FSGS or APOL1 disease or membranous or whatever. Can you help us get patients into clinical trials? And at the same time, they're making us as a place that we review the slides from other 
uh, areas from other uh, from other hospitals and things like that to make sure that all the diagnoses are correct and everything else. So we're working hand in hand with the pharmaceutical companies so that we can actually give access to the patients so that they have an opportunity to to get these new drug therapies that it's it's hard to find them if you don't know where to look. Yes. Yes, very true. It's amazing work. And I know you also give sort of uh, like new and development talks and those sorts of things to all the physicians here, which is really Uh, helpful. I I do. I try to find drugs that are in phase three that are about to come out or drugs that have been approved that are new. Mm -hmm. And it's been an eye opener for all of us because now we're seeing drugs that actually target the disease themselves. And when a clinician starts talking, well, I'm thinking about doing this, we we sometimes go, hey, have you thought about this new agent? Or And sometimes when they start discussing like, oh, new drugs that are coming out, we actually know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those that we're trying to be at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And to be at the forefront, you have to really do your research. You really have to keep up. And you really have to see what the implications are, knowing that what we're doing is going to make a huge impact. It might not be at this very moment, but in the next few years, and I've had many physicians come up to me say, hey, that drug that you mentioned, I was at a meeting and they were talking about all the trials that went on. And and they've had, I've had other times where a physician is like, hey, I was on the phone and uh, one of the clinicians started talking about this drug and I knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that as long as we can keep up and we're not behind, we can make an influence. I don't ever want to be in a position where other areas in pathology are where we're an afterthought. Mm-hmm. I mean, the clinicians, they do so many clinical trials and the pathologists, even if they're on the paper, are an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that the way that we've designed this, that we're in the middle. Mm-hmm. We're not an afterthought. And we're actually helping them get the patients recruited. And at the same time, they're helping us to be an area where we are becoming a clinical trials uh, location. That's mm-hmm. amazing work you've been doing. Oh, thank you. It's really exciting for, for patient care. Um, so I think this brings us about to our rapid fire questions. Sure. So I'll just ask you a few questions that I've been asking um, the other attendings here as sure. well. How many cups of coffee do you drink daily? Uh, I don't. Oh, wow. Um, what was your first car? Uh, my first call, car was a Volvo, a 92 Volvo. Ooh, what kind of Volvo? It's the old bots type. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even sure what model it was. <laughs> nice. iPhone or Android? Uh, iPhone. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Usually about six or seven. What's your favorite way to make eggs? Uh... Over easy. Right-handed or left-handed? Uh, right, right-handed. Talking or texting? Texting. First TV show you ever binge-watched? I guess Joe Exotic. I'd never been binge-watched <laughs> before that. Really? That was so recently. Yeah. March, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, marked the early part of the pandemic for a lot of us. <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? Probably 2. I'm pretty bad. Last book you read for fun? Last last book I well I've been reading the Magic School Bus quite a bit. Oh yeah, uh, to my daughter. 
So I've been reading the whole series, and that's actually fantastic. Oh, nice. Favorite holiday? Favorite holiday, I'd have to say, is Hanukkah. Morning person or night person? Uh, morning. Do you have any pets? We do. Uh, we have three dogs and one cat. If you could visit anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, probably Israel. Have you been? Uh, a few times. Nice. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our, our interview. Thank you so much. It's been really nice getting to know you a little bit better. No, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes store. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.